Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. An Erio's original. Hello and welcome to Web Crawlers, the podcast where we do a deep dive into some of our favorite unsolved mysteries. Each week we will introduce our topic, lay out our research and findings, reveal some conspiracy theories, <laughs> and conclude with our own hypothesis. Who knows, you might even solve the case. I am Allie Siegel. And I'm Melissa Stetton. Today, this is super exciting. Well, it's not exciting at all. We are not in the studio. No. Due to, due to the coronavirus. We're social so we, distancing. We're social distancing from one another. So I'm at my parents' house. Maria, where are you? I'm in my bed at my apartment. Hot. <laughs> Hot as always. <laughs> Melissa, where are you? I'm at my house. Yeah, and we just spent a good 20... We were <laughs> supposed to start recording at 11, <laughs> and we spent a good 26 minutes trying to figure out how to record via FaceTime and GarageBand. You know, there's but a we lot of it. different inputs and outputs, but we figured it out. There's a lot of moving parts. Which is very on brand with our topic today, someone who is not into the industrial... To technology. Yeah. Right. But that being said, if the audio was a little funky this time, we apologize. We're just going to get better every time. But bad audio on a podcast is almost the best thing that's happening right now in the world. So you're welcome. Next thing is Web Crawlers has a Patreon to get access to rewards, bonus episodes, shout outs, merchandise discounts, and in studio videos of full episodes released a day early. Which... Are we recording this on the FaceTime? No. No. So, you know, that might be on pause for a bit. Please go to patreon.com slash webcrawlers. You can donate as little as $2 a month to become one of our bimbo patrons. I was thinking of starting a weekly newsletter. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, because I found a newsletter template. Oh, that's a nice template. Oh, a newsletter template. Isn't that just like a paragraph? No, Maria. (laughs) It has it has some columns and like some places for pictures, and I thought it was cool and fun. No, I like it. Okay. So I might. Yeah, we have a lot I of time. You. So. so I might start doing a, a template. I mean, a, a, a what? Well, no, I'm going down fast. Okay, so for merch, you can go to webcrawlerspod.com or hothorse.horse. If you're nasty, Erios also has a hotline, and we. Our, your messages are the only thing that's keeping us going right now. And we'll, um, we'll play the jingle right here. 626-604-6262. It's really been popping off. We play all the voicemails in our Friday mini episodes. I like, can't look at your face. Oh, why? <laughs> She's talking about me. She's not talking yeah. about you. <laughs> <laughs> I, <yeah. laughs> I am. Um, okay, Melissa, who are our patrons? We have Mary Kay. Mm. Oh, I do you think that's from the MLM? It's Mary Kay herself, Moses D, 
Jonathan, Sean T, Allison. Not me. Aaron B and Aaron Y. Is Moses the person who uh, tweets with us frequently? I believe it is. Hello, Moses. What's up, Moses? <laughs> What's Hello up? to you, Moses. Okay, should we get started on today's episode? Yes. So and we're going to talk about my boyfriend for a full hour. <laughs> yeah, just to lighten the mood with all this coronavirus stuff, <laughs> yeah. we're going to be talking about the Unabomber. Hell yeah, baby. So between 1978 and 1995, Ted Kaczynski sent bombs in the mail, killing three people and injuring 23 others in an attempt to start a revolution by conducting a nationwide bombing campaign targeting people involved with modern technology. He was the subject of the longest and most expensive investigation in the history of the FBI. What led him to a life of seclusion and terror? Let's find out. Maria is watching TV for sure. No, what are you watching on TV? I'm, I'm looking out the window. Wow, just taking it all I'm in. Looking. I'm just taking it in. I was imagining it in my head. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> okay. All right. So a little background on Ted. So he was born in Chicago in 1942. When he was just a baby, he was temporarily separated from his parents. And his mother has always yeah. believed that this experience may have permanently scarred him because he got sick and he was taken to the hospital <laughs> with hives. Maria. We don't normally get to see Maria's reaction. <laughs> I'm learning about this for the first time. She's always hidden behind a monitor, so we don't ever get to see her yeah, faces. Yeah, we're really just seeing her reactions. So he got sick. He was taken to the hospital with hives. And he was isolated from his parents as the doctors tried to determine what was wrong with him. And the parents were only allowed to visit him two times a week for two hours. That's crazy. Yeah, the doctors didn't want... What hospital was he in? Uh, I'm not... He was in Chicago. I'll give it a gook. What hospital? But the doctors didn't want the parents around their, like, intruding... Which seems crazy now because they only saw him like two hours a week. Yeah, like if if you have a if you have a baby in like the NICU or whatever, yeah, then you're always there. It's starting to rain. Oh, I told you it's raining in Thousand Oaks. Oh, it's not raining here in Hollywood. It never rains in Hollywood. Over in Tinseltown, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Over in (laughs) the weather's fine. Over in Hollyweird. Hollyweird. Ooh. Uh, it doesn't say in this article. Why do you know a lot about well, the hospitals in Chicago, Maria? No, but I just, I would, you know, I'd like to do some more research on if that hospital is known for doing, right. getting up to these weird sorts things. Of things. So when Ted got home from the hospital, he apparently wasn't the same happy baby that he was. His parents right. said that he had completely shut down after returning home and he stopped smiling and having eye contact with his parents. And it took weeks for his parents to regain his trust a little bit and be able to make eye contact. If you watch some of the documentaries, like they have photos of Ted bef- as a baby before he went into the hospital and then pictures after. And he looks like, yeah, I don't know what they did to him in that hospital, but yeah, so- something. And then uh, Peter Vronsky, who's author of the serial killers book, he said that there is this theory that an infant that doesn't bond with the mother develops psychopathy as a defense mechanism, that they feel no pain, they feel no trauma, but of course at the same time they lose a sense of empathy and moral compass. Uh-oh. So Ted's mother told his brother David to never abandon your brother because that's what he fears the most. Yeah, maybe it's abandonment. Or yeah. maybe it's like what Maria was saying, like maybe they did something weird in the hospital. Like they did with yeah. What's-Her-Face and Stranger Things. Eleven. I was going to say six. <laughs> Her name's not six, <laughs> it's eleven. Maybe it's more MK Ultra stuff. Oh. So it's reported um, that... Ted's mom potentially wanted to put him in a school for autistic children, but then decided against it because his IQ was tested and he scored a 167, which is the same IQ. Yeah, it's a genius. It's the same IQ as Stephen Hawking. So he skipped the sixth grade. Ted later described this as a pivotal event. Previously, he had kind of socialized with his peers. People see him as a leader. But after skipping a few grades ahead uh, and he was with older children, he started being bully. 
Yeah. And yeah, I, like every every person I know who skipped grades, it not a positive. Yeah, it seems like a bad thing to do. Yeah, I just wouldn't do it. Um, like get them get them out of school programs that are somehow challenging. Yeah. I don't know because the, the age thing I think could be difficult. Yeah. Both Ted and his brother David were intelligent, but Ted is the one who really stood out. One neighbor said she had never known anyone who had a brain like he did. While another said Ted was strictly a loner who didn't play, an old man before his time. His mother recalled Ted as a shy child who would become unresponsive if pressured into a social situation. So that's weird to just totally shut down. I mean, that's like a trauma. That's indicative of trauma. Yeah, like that's that's social anxiety, but it's also like more severe. Yeah, that's like a PTSD response. At one point, she was so worried about Ted's social development that she considered entering him into a study for autistic children led by Bruno Bettelheim. She decided against it after observing Bettelheim's abrupt and cold manner. And also Ted's family was super, or Ted's dad was very much into like the wilderness and hiking. Oh yeah, that's where he got so it So that kind of leads into the future of Ted's environment, but they were always like, the dad was always taking them on hikes and taking them out in nature and things oh, like that. Oh, okay. But David, David was able to have a balance of the, interest in that kind of stuff and being social with his peers Mm -hmm. ted was full like yeah i want to move into the wilderness ted played the trombone in the marching band and was a member of the mathematics biology and german clubs but was regarded as an outsider by his classmates ted was ahead of his classmates academically obviously he was placed in advanced math classes. He skipped the 11th grade. Oh, so he skipped two grades. Yeah. Sixth grade and, and 11. He, that's crazy. Um, I skipped zero grades. And <laughs> he he graduated at 15 years old. Crazy. And he was one of his school's five national merit finalists. Damn. Smart. Did he, did he get along with people in his class? Yeah. I don't think he was seen as like mean or... They said he was like, he was an outsider by his classmates. But he was like a cool outsider? Like... I don't know. Yeah. I think he was interested in academics and maybe like like-minded people, but he yeah. was really shy and reserved and wasn't going to go to a party or, the, or a movie on the weekends or yeah go get a soda pop or whatever you did and (laughs) you got a soda pop from the soda shop yeah down at the diner (laughs) so then he went to harvard on a scholarship in 1958 at the age of 16 that's crazy and while he was at harvard henry murray of the harvard psych department which is the office for strategic services of the cia and he was also a colonel in the army they were looking into the stress of interrogation techniques and they were testing it among gifted college men. Yeah. Like Henry Murray, like there, he was a CIA agent. Yeah. Who was also like the head of the psych department at Harvard. Yeah. Like there people dispute whether or not he was affiliated with the government, but in, he was for sure in the CIA. Yeah. So Ted was told that he'd be debating philosophical ideas with the fellow students and he was lied to. Like, that's how they lured, like, smart men into this program. Like, yeah. come debate your ideas. Right. But Henry Murray's objective was to hu- humiliate Ted's ideas. So Ted had to, along with 22 other people, write an essay about his dreams and aspirations. He was then led into a room where electrodes were attached to his head, and he was subjected to extremely brutal psychological attacks as his essays were read back and criticized. Wait, but why was, why were they, why did he agree to do this? Well, he told his brother he did it to show that he couldn't be broken. (gasps) That's what he told his brother. Also though, like in one of the, in one of the shows that I watch is that he really, really revered the guy who was running the study, Henry Murray. Like he was one of the forefront, forefront psychologists at Harvard and was very well renowned as like a free thinker. Kaczynski really was like impressed by him and like almost saw him as a father figure and like the first person he could really talk to and was really dying to be part of this psychological study because it was thought of like if you made it into this psychological study then you were seen as like gifted and like people wanted to hear your ideas so that's why he really wanted to be part of it Uh. also it's a weird part of the psychological study is that like you had to take a series of tests in order to qualify for it oh okay 
And the only people who qualified for it are people who were seen as like lawful and law abiding. Oh, yeah. So it's interesting to see how much that changed because the whole purpose of the study was to see if you could break someone's whole ideas set down and and then change it just dramatically, radically. Yeah. They had to watch videos of themselves being psychologically attacked. So the idea was that, yeah, so they could be psychologically broken down and then reformed as a cooperative source, you know, interrogation techniques. And he did this for three years, once a week, 200 hours total. So every week he was, someone was telling him like, you're, you're shit, you're garbage. I mean, that would mess with anyone. Oh yeah, absolutely. Cause I guess he spent, I think if this, if this is correct, the first year of the study, it was done in steps. So the first year of the study was just, he was just Kaczynski and, and keep in mind, Ted is 16 when this happen- mm-hmm. is happening. And this like older psych professor is like, I think your ideas are interesting and, and important. Let's talk about them. So the first year of the study, I think, was Ted uh, and Henry Murray just having weekly discussions where Henry was like, these ideas are genius. This is really interesting. And like getting him to trust him. Yeah. And they would just talk about anything and everything, whether it was his ideas or his personal life or how he grew up. And then the next two years were just Henry Murray and another group of psychologists just humiliating yeah. for everything that he said. God, that's so fucked up. Yeah. So yeah, so this experiment probably fueled the fire for all his criminal activities. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And then he also said that this experiment is what drew him to live in isolation. But all the files are sealed apparently. Why? Yeah, because it's the government's it's fault. The CIA. But how long until they're unsealed? Isn't there like a time period usually? We should figure that out. I wonder if so- if there are other like bombers or serial killers who also went to Harvard who might have been part of this testing. Probably. Or just look at who had the highest GPA. Someone commented on our Instagram today. Yeah, that's what made me think this. Anne Hillsborough said, Timothy Leary was at Harvard, so there's a history of mind control experiments there. Who knows how old that history is? Okay, well, there's one. Yeah. The, okay, 10 smart killers who went to Ivy League schools. The Menendez brothers, but that doesn't count. That's just yeah. like a money thing. The roadside strangler went to Cornell. Oh. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Ooh, and he's smart. <laughs> okay. Where did, the, where did the Hollywood hangman go? <laughs> He went to UCLA. <laughs> he went to whatever school you went to. Yeah. So then Ted graduated in 1962 from Harvard, and he went to the University of Michigan to get another master and doctorate degrees in math. And then right. in 1967, at 25, he became the youngest assistant professor of mathematics in the history of University of California, Berkeley. And he taught undergraduate courses in geometry and calculus. He was 25. That's crazy. I read somewhere, but then it was refuted that Epstein said that that he had been taught by Kaczynski, but like the timing doesn't line up. Oh, weird. And he was not well liked by his students. He seemed uncomfortable teaching and he taught straight from the textbook and refused to answer questions. (laughs) Oh, I'm looking at pictures of young Kaczynski. Okay, do you get it? He's hot as hell. He is hot as hell. He's He's got, he's, he's, he's out of his He's H-O-H, baby. H-O-H. <laughs> H-O-H. So then without H-O-H. H-O-H. So then without. Hot. Oh, H-A-H. Oh, H-A-H. <laughs> Whoa, the quarantine is making me a genius. Everyone had technological problems but me. Alex now Maria's spelling wrong and I'm calling everyone out. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it shows that our true colors are coming out. <laughs> I thrive in a quarantine. <laughs> I've always known this. So then without any explanation, Ted resigned. I read somewhere too that maybe that was because he was just trying to make money to build his, oh, his that makes little sense. cabin and then he was just yeah. like, I'm out. So then two years after that, in 1971, he retreats to the wilderness So he moved to a remote cabin that he had built outside of Lincoln, Montana, where he could live a simple life with little money and without electricity or running water and working odd jobs. 
and receiving some financial support from his family. What, Where did you just find Ellie? Al- Idris Elba has coronavirus. <gasps> no. What are you looking at? You're you're not. Are you reading? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Well, she just I got a text Idris Elba. Yeah, no. I'm not going to believe it. Yeah, I'm going to not be able to see you for a few weeks. No, I got a pop-up on my computer. It said Idris Elba tested positive for coronavirus. He was showing no symptoms. Weird. How did he get a test? I don't know. That's a good yeah, question. Well, I didn't read it. I didn't tests. read the thing. Yeah, how does he have no symptoms? I mean, the people want to know this stuff. Maybe Let's he was around it. someone who had it? Breaking news. Idris Elba, positive. I feel okay, have no symptoms so far, but have been isolated since I found out about my possible exposure to the virus. Oh, okay. So he was in contact with someone. Was he working on that movie with Tom Hanks, maybe? Oh my God, maybe he was. Damn. Guys, Well, have you seen the Unabomber's cabin? It's small. It's really small. Yeah, it's like a tiny house. His, uh, so his goal was to become He bathed into the river. Yeah, and he taught himself survival skills. Maria, you like it? I don't hate it. <laughs> it's good. It's cozy. It's a her. It's like a hermit's lifestyle. I'm sure. You yeah. Know, there's something very alluring about leaving everything behind and just going into a cabin, and you know. And imagine, like, and he looks like that. He's yeah. hot, and he has like. It's your he owns dream guy in the middle of the forest. He owns property. Yeah, owns yeah. Property. He's well educated. <laughs> he's a literal genius. I see zero things wrong so far. So far, zero things. Literally, wrong. and also literally, guys with autism like are my type. <laughs> uh, but he got really annoyed by the sawmill that was near his cabin. It was loud and it wasn't environmentally friendly. So in order to fuck with the guy, he poured a ton of sawdust in the equipment trying to break it. Yeah, he has a little bit of a temper. That was like his first show of like, oh, he's got some anger problems. Yeah, he has anger problems. And then the bombings begin. Uh, Between 1978 and 1995, Kaczynski mailed or hand-delivered a series of increasingly sophisticated bombs that killed three people and injured 23 others. In all, 16 bombs were attributed to Kaczynski. All but the first few bombs contributed, uh, contained the initials FC inscribed on them, which Kaczynski later said stood for Freedom Club. He purposefully left misleading clues in the devices and took extreme care in preparing them to avoid leaving fingerprints. Kaczynski's first mail bomb was directed at Buckley Christ, a professor of materials engineering at Northwestern University. On May 25th, 1978, a package with Christ's return address was found in a parking lot at the University of Illinois, Chicago. The package was returned to Christ, who was suspicious because he had not sent the package. So he contacted campus police. Officer Terry Marker opened the package, which exploded and injured his left hand. In 1979, a bomb was placed in the cargo hold of American Airlines Flight 444, flying from Chicago to Washington, D.C. A faulty timing mechanism prevented the bomb from exploding, but it released smoke, which forced an emergency landing. Authorities said it had enough power to obliterate the plane had it exploded. As bombing an airliner is a federal crime, obviously... The FBI became involved, designated the case Unibomb for University and Airline Bomber. Didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's, I found that out too. And then also the questions that they, what's your problem? Well, just like, no, you, of course you found it out. You didn't make it up. (laughs) She found it. It was deep. I I found found it. it Little known information. I found it out too. The questions of like, did you pack these bags yourself? And- has your bag been with you the whole time when you're at the airport? Those questions all stemmed from the Unabomber bombings. Oh. Oh, my God. Those, I know. Yeah, you don't want to get in a, a broke-down palace situation. Exactly. Also, I was in, I was on the last airplane trip I took, people were arrested for committing a federal crime. That's right. You Weren't they smoking? They were, they were blasting cigs. Or they, might have been ju- or they might have been vaping. I don't know, but they're both a federal crime. Yeah, you can't vape on a plane. They were literally taken off the plane by police officers. That's crazy. What are you doing back there? Okay. 
Uh, Kaczynski left false clues in every bomb, which he made hard to find to make them believable. The first clue was a metal plate stamped with the initials FC hidden somewhere, usually in the piping end cap in every bomb. Another clue, I'm not, I, it's just allergies. I'm not. Uh huh. Another, I've been hanging out with Idris Elba. <laughs> another clue included a note left in a bomb that did not detonate. It read, WU, it works. I told you it would, RV. Another clue was a Eugene O'Neill $1 stamps to send his boxes. I wasn't sure who that, I mean, I saw who that, I saw the stamps when I was watching the documentary, but like, who is, who is Eugene O'Neill? He's a playwright. Well, Uh, you're right. Was an American playwright and Nobel laureate in literature. Wow. Duh. (laughs) Who's the genius now? Oh, boy. You. (laughs) <laughs> man is born broken he he lives by mending wow that's life deep. for each man is a solitary cell whose walls are mirrors those are some eugene o'neill quotes um he sent one bomb embedded in a copy of sloan wilson's novel ice brothers what's ice brothers about let's see maria the do you I- already know what ice brothers is about oh, you mean the iceman cummins no it says ice brothers by sloan wilson Oh, no, I don't know. The FBI theorized that Kaczynski had a theme of nature, trees, and wood in his crimes. All the bombs were were cased in wood that was local to where he lived. Why did he do that if he was so smart? Or what did he want to get caught? No, these were clues to throw people off. But that would lead them right to him, wouldn't it? I don't think, I mean, I think that those the trees are probably... I don't think if it's a type of tree, you can be like, oh, this tree is from the woods of this. I mean, or maybe you can. I don't know. He often included bits of tree branch and bark in his bombs and targets selected included Percy Wood and Professor Leroy Wood. The first serious injury occurred in 1985 when John Hauser, a graduate student and captain in the United States Air Force, lost four fingers and vision in one eye. The bomb was handcrafted and made with wooden parts. Hugh Scrutton, a 38-year-old from Sacramento, California, he was a computer store owner, was killed in 1985 by a nail and splinter loaded bomb placed in the parking lot of his store. That's a little insane. And what kind of store was it? A computer store. Wow, it was just a store. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I wonder, like, why Sacramento computer store, How that's so specific. It's just because it's, like, a technology store, maybe? Yeah, but, like, how how, was driving one day and was just like, I don't like that place? Oh, but I guess, oh, oh, this is what it was. I think it's because all the bombings were places that he was familiar with or places that he had, near places that he had worked. Right. So he had worked in Berkeley, so Sacramento is close to Berkeley, No. Mm-hmm. So maybe he had driven past. Yeah, there. maybe so he had been it was just there. something that he knew. A similar attack against a computer store occurred in Salt Lake City, Utah, in 1987. The bomb, which was disguised as a piece of lumber, injured Gary Wright when he attempted to remove it from the store's parking lot. So I guess he's kind of saying, like, instead of technology, we should be yeah. thorough into the woods. Yeah. Uh, the explosion severed nerves in Wright's left arm and propelled more than 200 pieces of shrapnel into his body. Oh, Jesus. I can't imagine. That is, that's horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not so hot anymore. In 1993, <laughs> after a six-year break, Kaczynski mailed a bomb to David Galerner, a computer science professor at Yale University. Though critically injured, Galerner recovered. In the same weekend, Kaczynski mailed a bomb to the home of Charles Epstein from the University of California, San Francisco, who lost several fingers upon opening it. Another thing that I uh, heard in a documentary is that the reason these bombs were sent kind of like in weird uh, increments was because Kaczynski didn't have a car. So he would like make a bunch of bombs or letters and then take a bus to the local post office and like mail the stuff. So he would do, and the post office was like three hours away. So he would have to get on the bus. And so he couldn't do it regularly. He'd like stagger it out. Okay. Uh, Did you guys hear about that? He may have been the first incel. Yes. Is that on your list? It is on our list. Oh, got it. So, (laughs) so then in 1995, 
Ted mailed several letters to media outlets outlining his goals and demanding that his 35,000-word essay, Industrial Society and Its Future, also known as the Manifesto, be printed verbatim by a major newspaper. He stated that if this demand was met, he would desist from terrorism. So then Attorney General Janet Reno and FBI Director Louis Free recommended its publication out of concern for public safety and in hope that a reader could identify the author. Bob Guccione of Penthouse volunteered to publish it, but Kaczynski replied that Penthouse was less respectable than the other publications. Fair. Then the New York Times and the Washington Post both published the essay on September 9th, 1995. So the Washington Post wrote this. Yeah, this is like the editor's note in the in the actual thing. It says, this is the text of a 35,000 word manifesto as submitted to the Washington Post and the New York Times by the serial mail bomber called the Unabomber. The manifesto appeared in the Washington Post as an eight-page supplement that was not part of the new sections. This document contains corrections that appeared in the Friday, September 22nd editions of Washington Post, This text was sent in June 1995 to the New York Times and the Washington Post by the person who calls himself F.C., identified by the FBI as the Unabomber, whom authorities have implicated in three murders and 16 bombings. The author threatened to send a bomb to an unspecified destination with intent to kill unless one of the newspapers published this manuscript. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So this manifesto, it's super long. There's a summary of it is it's largely concerned with how society is affected by technology, particularly modern industrial technology. Like that's the basis of it. It starts off by saying the industrial revolution. We're going to read all 35,000 words of it. (laughs) Can you imagine? Can you imagine? So it starts off by saying the industrial revolution and its consequences have been a disaster for the human race. They have greatly increased the life expectancy of those of us who live in advanced countries, but they have destabilized society, have made life unfulfilling, have subjected human beings to indignities, have led to widespread psychological suffering in the third world to physical suffering as well, and have inflicted severe damage on the natural world. I agree with all that. He can't disagree. It makes sense. He goes on to say that there is no way of reforming or modifying the system so as to prevent it from depriving people of dignity and autonomy. True. Think of Facebook. It has all our information. Yeah. Everything. So he also said, 
When we speak of leftists in this article, we have in mind mainly socialists, collectivists, politically correct types, feminists, gay and disability activists, animal rights activists, and the like. But not everyone who is associated with one of these movements is a leftist. What we are trying to get at in discussing leftism is not so much movement or an ideology as a psychological type, or rather a collection of related types. So he like starts, it starts as technology stuff, but it, then it starts really going into like socialism and the left, which is, then it gets a little kooky. Um, he also says, the two psychological tendencies that underlie modern leftism, we call feelings of inferiority and over-socialization. Yeah, think about it. That coronavirus right now and people are still going to bars. Yeah. It's crazy. Feelings of yeah. inferiority are characteristic of modern left- leftism as a whole, while over-socialization is characteristic only of a certain segment of modern leftism. But this segment is highly influential. But this was written in the, seven- the 70s or the 80s? 80s? 70s, 70s uh, 80s? Which, yeah, it's really interesting that it's kind of ahead of its time. Uh, He says, by feelings of inferiority, we mean not only inferiority feelings in the strict sense, but a whole spectrum of related traits, low self-esteem, feelings of powerlessness, depressive tendencies, defeatism, Mm -hmm. guilt, Mm -hmm. self-hatred, etc. And then we argue that modern leftists tend to have some such feelings, possibly more or less repressed and that these feelings are decisive in determining the direction of modern leftism. Yep. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. I agree. Allie wrote, then he says some stuff that's definitely not PC and kind of racist and, uh, and ableist <laughs> and misogynist. He does say a lot of <laughs> problematic things in here. Yeah, there's like two paragraphs where you're like, ooh, Ted. Yeah. <laughs> Ted. Well, he made bombs and sent them to people. <laughs> yeah, there's, he's not 100. Everyone it's, has their faults. Yeah, it's a little, yeah, choice of words is... You know, I wouldn't say stable is the correct word. Yeah. Okay, and then he says words like self-confidence, self-reliance, initiative, enterprise, optimism, etc. play little role in the liberal and leftist vocabulary. Are you using a typewriter? No, I'm turning up my um, (laughs) heating pad. That sounded like a typewriter. That sounded exactly like a typewriter. Are you taking notes? Okay, I hear hear it now. it's It's my heating pad. Cute. That's nice. Keeping my feet warm. <laughs> the leftist is anti-individualistic, pro-collectivist. He wants society to solve everyone's problems for them, satisfy everyone's needs for them, take care of them. He is not the sort of person who has an inner sense of confidence in his ability to solve his own problems and satisfy his own needs. The leftist is... I don't in. disagree with this. I disagree and with like 80%. I mean, I agree with like 80% of the manifesto. He says the leftist is antagonistic to the concept of competition because deep inside he feels like a loser. I think I 100% think that's true. Uh, yeah. He says, leftists, <laughs> he says leftists are antagonistic to genetic explanations of human abilities or behavior because such explanations tend to make some persons appear superior. My cats are fighting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> get out of here, you two. <laughs> They're hearing the Rare. manifesto and yeah. it's getting them riled up. <laughs> uh, leftists prefer to give society the credit or blame for an individual's ability or lack of it. So thus, if a person is inferior, it is not his fault, but society's. Because he has not been brought up properly. So I mean, the leftists no, I blame mean, society yeah. for faults and stuff. But that was my question. So if the, if Ted thinks that the left blames society for their problems as opposed to taking accountability and he thinks that's wrong. So if I think it's MK Ultra's fault that Ted is who he is, Ted would be like, no, it's my fault. It has nothing to do with MK Ultra. Oh, I wonder. Right? Yeah, because... I believe it's definitely something to do with MKUltra and the CIA. I don't know, because wouldn't it be that it's not that, like, what happens to you isn't... Because that wasn't like he was born into MKUltra. It's like that's something that happened to him and greatly affected... Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So he also talks about over-socialization. Over-socialization 
think like now, think like Instagram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All this Instagram. oversaturation of Instagram can lead to low self-esteem. True. A sense of powerlessness. True. Defeatism. True. Guilt, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the most important means by which our society socializes children is by making them feel ashamed of behavior or speech that is contrary to society's expectations. So, like, if you don't look like this, you're wrong. If you don't do this, you're wrong. If you don't think this, you're wrong. If this is overdone or if a particular child is especially susceptible to such feelings, he ends by feeling ashamed of himself. Yes. Well, this goes directly back to that programming he had or that right that scientific thing where they were making him feel ashamed yeah yeah the only requirements to be like successful in life he says are a moderate amount of intelligence and most of all simple obedience yeah if one has those society will take care of you for life and he says that like not positively. Yeah. Like all you have to be is kind of intelligent and just obey and then you're fine. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So the summary basically, he argues that most people spend their lives or their time engaged in useless pursuits because of technical technological advances. He calls these surrogate activities where people strive towards artificial goals, including scientific work, consumption of entertainment, and following sports teams. Except the Los Angeles Clippers. Right. He wrote that. He wrote that in the manifesto. (laughs) Yeah, it's a big part of it. And also now this morning, I've discovered marble racing. Marble racing. Marble racing. Yeah. He predicts that further technological advances will lead to extensive human genetic engineering. Yes. And that human beings will be adjusted to meet the needs of the social systems rather than vice versa. Yes. That's scary. Yeah. I mean, think about like even down to like lip injections. Yeah. Butt injections. He believes. (laughs) Well, you see it on Facebook. Someone posts a picture of what you're supposed to be looking like. And then all of a sudden, a new generation, like Generation X, all looks the same. Looks like Kim Kardashian. Yeah. Yeah. He believes that technological progress can be stopped. He calls to a return to wild nature. Yeah. So in, in summary, modern society is miserable. High levels of stress, anxiety, depression, etc. have led to general discontent and violence. Also, technology is encroaching more and more on our ability to be free. The system is repressing our natural inclinations and forcing us to live in obedience and labor for the benefit of others. Mm-hmm. And he's advocating for a revolution and if that revolution has to be violent, then it has to be violent. Yeah. Which is weird because it's like all these ideas are great and like justifiable and he lists them out reasonably. It's like where does where does the we need to be violent about it come in? Like where did that come from? I guess because it's a f- feeling of like helplessness of like, well, how else do you stop the the powers that are that are taking control of our lives? Yeah, right. Although and also, it's just weird, like, who he was sending the bombs to, like, a computer store. Like, that's where yeah. it's like, well, wait, what are you doing? Yeah. Also, like, probably because in the past, when he thought he was being heard, he ended up being fucked over. So he's like, yeah. There's only, this is the way I'll get your attention. Yeah. You know who has similar ideas to him, but without being um, nutty and wanting to kill people? Ali Siegel? <laughs> <laughs> I want to kill people. <laughs> Are the transcendentalists? Have you guys ever oh. read up on the transcendentalist movement? No. Yes. In like Massachusetts in like the late 1800s. Kind of like. Yeah, I had to read. Oh. Is, yeah. Thoreau, like Louisa Emerson. May, yeah, like Whitman. Louisa May Alcott. And like, oh, yeah. Okay. It, it's people who like who would like it was a very big part of their lives to like go outside and be one with nature and take that time to like I don't know. I had to read Into the Woods, I remember in who is that Into the Woods? I it's not a musical? No. Oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> wait a second, that's not the name of what I'm talking about. Yeah. I thought <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What's hold that? On, hold on, hold on. Sean Penn movie? Into the Into the Wild wood? or something like that? Yeah. Call, uh, Call no. the Wild. No, that's the one that I was yeah. You're thinking of Thoreau's... Um, yes, uh, that's what I had to read. It's called um, not 
Leaves of Grass is Walt Whitman. Thoreau is... Um, Life in the Woods. Yes, maybe that's what I had to read. The book by a transcendentalist. Maybe it was Whitman, though. I feel like it was Whitman. And they, like, say the same kinds of things he does, but in a very much more um, non-nutty way. Weird. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Okay, this part's interesting. One of his theories is that it is not enough to have power, but one must satisfy that power process in order to have a fulfilling life. The power process is, one, the goal, picking something to do, two, the effort, deciding how to do it, and three, attaining the goal. Yeah. Basically, fulfilling your goal without putting any effort into it is meaningless. A goal without working for it leads to depression and boredom and the dangers that come with it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Right. I totally agree. So it's like this whole age of like manifestation and not doing anything and just like hoping it will come to you if you wish hard enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's making us entitled and not grateful for things. Or telling everyone that they deserve like that they deserve everything. Yeah. Like. Right. Instead of going like, no, you'll get what you work to get. Yeah. Or people that are just like handed things. Right. Yeah. It's not fulfilling at all. Yeah. Yeah. Ted says that people won't feel fulfilled if any of the steps in the cycle are taken care of for them. The industrial society alienates people by disrupting the process. Yeah, because it's basically... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's helping us skip a a part of that. Like, Totally. We don't have to do all the steps of it. Yeah. Uh, He also doesn't consider a menial, boring job as effort. Right. Yeah, same as that. He also talks about industrial society taking away our freedom. Example, owning a car used to be optional, but now you have to have one. Yeah. Cities are designed around them. We also, like, have to have a cell phone. Yeah. You essentially have to have the internet. You have to have a computer. Yeah. So on and so forth. We're dependent. We're completely dependent upon technology. After the manifesto was published, the FBI received over a 1,000 calls a day for months. Damn. In response to its offer for a $1 million reward for information leading to the identification of the Unabomber. That's crazy. So then his brother hires a PI to look into his brother because he's like weirdly suspicious of him. And the brother's wife thought the manifesto sounded just like Ted. Yeah, she read the manifesto and was like, I think this is Ted. But the brother was like, no, 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 no. Ted would never do this. He's not violent. Mm. Like he did not believe it at all. So then in early 1996... A former FBI hostage negotiator and criminal profiler, Clinton R. Van Zandt, was contacted by an investigator who was working with Ted's brother, and they compared the manifesto to typewritten copies of handwritten letters that David had received from his brother. So Van Zandt's initial analysis determined there was about a 60% chance that the same person had written the manifesto. And then FBI profiler James R. Fitzgerald, he recognized similarities in the writings using linguistic analysis and determined that the author of the essays and the manifesto were almost certainly the same person. That show, Manhunt Unabomber, is about this FBI profiler guy who like convinces everyone, like, because they didn't know what forensic ling- so linguistics good. were. Like, it was not a yeah, thing. Yeah, it was like totally new. It was, it was a really good show. If you like a. Seeing a Duplass brother in there, too. And Paul Bettany is Ted Kaczynski. Yeah, he's so oh. good. It's really good. It's on Netflix, I think. Or is it Hulu? It's on one of them. It's I think it's Netflix. Them. Yeah. I didn't know this. The famous drawing from Time Magazine isn't even of him. Yeah. So, And they talk about it in Manhunt. So Ted Kaczynski was seen by someone like years and years before. And the woman uh, reported it into a sketch artist did a sketch. And then, like, 10 years later, and then, so then, because there's a big gap in the bombings. Right. So after Ted was seen for the first time, he just went MIA for a while because that sketch came out of him, which was an accurate sketch. Right. But then, like, 10 years later, that famous sketch on Time magazine, they went back to the woman and they were like, we'd like you to, like, remember what Ted looked like. We're going to do another sketch. But instead of remembering what Ted looked like, she remembered what the original sketch artist looked like because she had spent the entire day with him. So when she was describing to this new guy what Ted looked like, she just just described this sketch artist who she met with the first time. So if you look at the picture of of the Unabomber that's like famous, 
Yeah. And then it's like, that's not, that's not Ted Kaczynski. But then if you that's look like at so it, sad. That's yeah. Like but then if you look at it, I know that's like a funny look at it side by side, <laughs> like describing someone and turn like, wait, this is me. <laughs> yeah. It's actually just what it's, it's the sketch artist. Do you remember uh, that Nathan for you episode where he gets that sketch artist, the offensive to, like, sketch artist, that, but he's like, horrible it's like the most let me see if i can find a picture i love it's like racist the racist sketch artist how do i date no not that not that one that was like the caricature guy but the one that (laughs) (laughs) which one which episode (laughs) i think it's finding francis honestly i think it's like they're oh yes yes i do i i it is finding francis but i don't fully remember it (laughs) oh right oh right oh right the the Bill Gates impersonator. So funny. He puts posters. He up. puts posters up. I love him so much. That was the it finale. Oh, that was so. If you guys haven't seen Finding Francis, um, the Nathan for you, it's so good. And also, if anyone knows him, hook a sister up. So Ted Kaczynski was he a virgin? Yeah, it said it said that in the Unabomber, in the Manhunt Unabomber, that he oh. was writing a letter to someone, and he's like, "I've never been with a woman." So he oh, because remember, but it says it said that he he'd never been with a woman before, and he was afraid that the only way he'd ever be able to be with a woman was if he was a woman himself. Oh, right. That was in and the he, documentary. Like, did he like make a make an appointment for a sex change? Yes, he did. Yeah. yeah, that's in the documentary where they talk, and he like canceled the appointment. But it was a weird, a weird part of his life where he's like, "I should be a woman." There's this thing that I on True Crime Buzz. It said that he had one relationship with a woman. Did you see this? It was a coworker he met while employed at Cushion. Pack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they never had sex, though, and that he asked her out or something like that, and she said no, and then he he harassed her at work, and then he got fired. But she said that he went kissing him was like, or no, he said that kissing her was like a Martian meeting an earthling. He said she was doing something with her tongue that he couldn't quite understand. He had never kissed another woman in his life because if he had, he would have written it down. Wow. wow. Like a Martian meeting an earthling. Wow. Well, men are from Earthlings, women are from Martian. Exactly. In the psychiatric evaluation, Johnson reveals that Kaczynski had persistent and intense sexual fantasies about being a woman. While he was a graduate student at the University of Michigan in 1967, he went to a psychiatrist to discuss his wishes for a sex change operation. But in the waiting room, he decided he could not go forward. Instead, he told the psychiatrist he was depressed about the possibility of being drafted. His near confession of his feelings so filled him with rage, in this case directed at psychiatrists, that he went through a major transformation. Oh. This is from the Washington Post. That's cool. So then, um... (laughs) That's cool. That's cool. (laughs) So then... They they figure out it's him, the FBI, and then they storm his house with a search warrant. Yeah. And they arrested him on April 3rd, 1996, at his cabin where he was found in an unkempt state. Sure. Yeah. And a search of his cabin revealed a ton of bomb components, 40,000 handwritten journal pages that included bomb-making experiments, descriptions of the Unabomber crimes, and one live bomb that was ready for mailing. Yikes. And they also found what appeared to be the original typed manuscript, Industrial Society's Future, the Manifesto. Uh, By this point, the Unabomber had been the target of the most expensive investigation in FBI history. Because it lasted so long. Yeah, it was like over 17 years or something. Yeah. Yeah. So at trial, he pled guilty. And his attorney, Judy Clark, attempted to enter an insanity defense to avoid the death penalty. But Kaczynski rejected the strategy. Several forensic psychiatrists who examined Ted diagnosed him as having paranoid schizophrenia, but in his 2010 book, Technological Slavery, Ted said that two prison psychologists who visited him frequently for four years told him they saw no indication that he suffered from schizophrenia. 
And the diagnosis was ridiculous and a political diagnosis. Yeah, he didn't seem like he had any of the qualities of schizophrenia. Yeah. It wasn't like voices were telling him to do this and he wasn't seeing yeah. hallucinations or anything. He's, he seems like he just has so many ideas in his head. He doesn't yes. know where to put them. Yes. Yeah. Like he doesn't. And so like if unable to connect with anyone or have any guidance whatsoever, yeah. that that he puts them into a destructive you know, he just yeah. becomes destructive. Yeah. I think that, like, being a genius is a curse. It is. I suffer every day. <laughs> it's really hard. So does Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. yeah. So then the prosecutors sought the death penalty, but he avoided that by pleading guilty to all charges in 1998 and accepting life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. So he avoided death penalty because I was like, oh, he's dead, right? Like, I just assumed he got the death penalty, but... I thought he was dead, too, he's until still alive. I Googled. Until you sent him a letter yeah, in prison like- and he wrote you back. <laughs> I Googled if anyone had corresponded with him and, like, two people have. He's, like, oh. not into writing letters. Oh. It said, well, then this thing I'm... Well, I should send you this page because it's all about his love life. And he says... <laughs> what's What's his sign? This is from the true. Yeah, what book. is his sign? What's his birthday actually? Chicago, nineteen forty-two, May twenty-second. May twenty-second. Let's see. Gemini. He's a Gemini. He's a Gemini. Well, it makes sense. He has these two sides of him. He's he's a genius, and then he's also destructive. Gemini Pisces compatibility. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bittersweet match. Oh. Well, it's a, well for sex, it says, while you have a light and fun approach to sex, your Pisces takes things much... Oh, this is like written for a Gemini. No, thank you. <laughs> I am a Pisces. Um, they also auctioned off his belongings to pay restitution, but the auction, it raised $232,000. That seems so little. Um, and this Judy... This was great. This is weird to me. So Judy Clark, who is his attorney... She's always the lawyer of the MK Ultra victims, like the Unabomber, Boston Bomber, Tucson Shooter. How much do you think the CIA pays her for those guilty pleas? <laughs> that was a Reddit thread. But then oh. I, I looked into her, and these are all the people who she's... Oh. Also, on a side note, have I ever told you about the time that I, I pronounced Tucson Tuscan? <laughs> no. Was it in class? And did people like- No, it was to a boy. I was dating this guy who was from Tucson. This was like recently. This was literally like two. Oh, it was that guy that you know. Oh. Yeah. The guy who was friends with your ex, yeah. the horror guy. Yeah. And he was introducing me to his childhood friend. And I was like, oh, did you guys both grow up in Tuscan together? No, and they, <laughs> and they were like, where? You know, Tuscan. Tuscan, Arizona. Tuscan. Heard of it? You heard of it? <laughs> I just, I never, I thought it was a different place from Tucson. Like, I just thought that, I thought it was spelled different. I don't know. That's sweet. He didn't, he didn't break up with me. (laughs) Anyways. Yeah, so she represented all of these people. Yeah. Yeah, the Boston Bombers. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so Buford Furrow was an Aryan Nations member. He did the L.A. Los Angeles Jewish Community Center shooting. Zacharias Musau, he was a 9-11, he was 9-11, 9-11 suspect. Eric Rudolph, Olympic Park bombing. Oh, Jared Lee Loughner was the Phoenix, Arizona shooter. Oh, or I mean the the Tucson Arizona shooting. Oh, she he uh, shot Gabby Gabriel Gifford Giffords. Yeah, the uh, president speaking. I guess they're increasing lockdown. Are you serious? What more are they going to? How much say. more lo- How much more lockdown can we get right now? Well, a lot of people aren't on lockdown. Everyone's outside. Everyone's outside, just being stupid as hell. Yeah, I'm like at my parents' house, and they like will not let me leave. Yeah, good. You should be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna like move back. Last night, my dad asked. He said that some of the scotch was missing, and he asked me if I'd been drinking. Oh and my I was god! Like, I was like, I don't know if I could stay. I was like, No, dad, I haven't drank in six years. I don't know if I could stay here any longer. Oh my um, god! He was like, I, It's my responsibility to ask. Like, oh, that's nice. Well, that's, though. He to cares. have someone that cares. It's nice. Yeah, that's sweet. Okay. Um, <laughs> 
Anyway, she she just she she represents all these like big bombing like suspects, all the ones that like really make it into the news and political stuff. That's a cool job. <laughs> but it's just weird. it's, it's a strange it's coincidence. Yeah. That is weird. Well, it's probably not a coincidence. It's probably like her bread and butter. Yeah, she's the well, one. right. Yeah, but she's just she's not like a fa- she doesn't she's not an independent lawyer. She's like she works for. I mean, it's just I don't know. Um, so Ted is currently in prison in a supermax in Florence, Colorado, and so Ted and then Ramsey Youssef, who's the the World Trade Center bomber, and Timothy McVeigh who's the Oklahoma City bomber, they all became friends in prison and they regularly discussed religion and politics until... Yeah, they're all buts. Yeah, until Tim McVeigh's execution. Yeah, they, like, write each other letters and stuff. Cool. It's cool that they have each other. Yeah, that's really sweet. Friendship is nice. Mm-hmm. So then I guess, like, he he's not really, like, writing letters to outside people, but I guess... His brother was doing some tour recently about how the Unabomber, how he was like mentally ill and he is schizophrenic. And oh, so uh, Kaczynski started writing letters, I guess, to some people who had reached out to him previously for interviews saying that he was going to grant one interview to to clear his name. But then I think nothing came of it. And then one last thing that I thought was super weird or I'm just confused about, is I looked on Amazon Prime and I looked up Ted Kaczynski and he has so many books up. How does he... He gets them... From, like, recently. So he gets them published from prison, I guess? I don't know. Like, July 2nd, 2019. Technological Slavery by by Ted Kaczynski. Paperback. There's so many copies of the manifesto. Anti-tech revolution. Oh my god, this woman writes, this was a great gift for my son. What? <laughs> future, <laughs> future school bomber. Yeah, for my future bomber son. Wow, I mean, I, I mean, a lot of people, these are all really pro-Unabomber uh, reviews on Amazon. Wow. But anyways, he is, he is still just like Thriving. writing books and putting self-publishing books i think it's a real shame what that he had to go down that route of like violence and hate and everything because you know you do look at like we just need someone that's like gonna speak the truth about technology and stuff and and guide people back to a more simpler way of living but that doesn't want people to be violent i think that if if things had gone differently, he could have been one of, like, the great thinkers of today. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Like, one of the, like, one of the great, he could have been, like, a politic. he could have been, well, I guess not Bernie Sanders, because he's not a socialist. Or, like, is he a socialist? I don't know. Mm. I think his whole thing is live your life for yourself, and you shouldn't, like, it's like, I bet he doesn't subscribe to any like party anything he's like an anarchist because it's like live your life for yourself and you shouldn't be doing anything for anyone else you should be you should just be living your life yeah because they have the same iq as stephen hawking yeah i mean he's like literally a genius so anyways that's i i don't really know where i stand on the unabomber i mean i know he's a bad guy uh i think a lot of him being violent has to do with the mk ultra stuff yeah but I, I think a lot of his ideas have some real weight behind them. Yeah, he's got some great ideas. Just, you know, his execution was a little problematic. Yeah, no yeah. pun intended. Also, I think I think that he, just to circle back to one of the main points this, this podcast is for, is that I think he was hot as hell as a kid. Yeah. And maybe even as an adult. Yeah. Ha. <laughs> yeah. Ha. H-A-H. <laughs> Ha! That'd actually be good. That's a good undercover way if you see a guy ha. out on the town. Ha! Asher! Ha! Ha! He's like, who, me? <laughs> he doesn't like being inside the room. It's so hot in here and the heat blasting. <laughs> Anyways, any last thoughts on... Uh... <laughs> no. That's not right. Any last thoughts on the Unabomber? No, you know, no. Interesting. Yeah, fascinating. interesting. <laughs> yeah, fascinating. The, the manifesto is interesting. All right. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> if people want to follow us online, uh, Melissa, where can they find us? You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at webcrawlerspod. You can email us at webcrawlerspod at gmail.com. You can, we're on Reddit, we're on Facebook. Uh, leave us, keep leaving us comments and reviews because they're all great. Oh yeah. You guys leave the best comments and reviews they're ever. They're so, so please funny. Keep those coming. Uh, yeah. Stay safe out there. Don't leave your house if you don't have to. Yeah. Wash, wash your hands. Yeah. If you're at work and bring, get some, isolate, get some sanitizer. Try not to touch people. Sanitizer. You can't find it any, anywhere. Yeah, you got to buy your own. I mean, you got to make, make your, your own. own. Oh, it's, you can't. How do you make sanitizer? It's aloe vera and rubbing alcohol. Oh, oh, that's why the rubbing alcohol was out at the store. Yeah, people got wise. Motherfuckers. Well, anyways, uh, I'm Allie Siegel. I'm Melissa Stettin. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. 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 Original. Powered by ACAST. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.